Hey gorgeous, welcome to the Healing Elevates Relationships podcast. I'm your host, Bernadette Jackson, CEO and lead strategist at Her Consulting Group and the creator of Her Way Relationship Intensive Course. This podcast was created as a response to my desire to redefine how the world views women with daddy issues. I release a new episode every week, so expect to hear me and my guests discussing topics, sharing stories, and gaining insights from the perspective of a fatherless daughter and the people who love and support us. If this is your first time here, here's what I want you to know. You deserve amazing relationships, and nothing you've done or experienced disqualifies you from that. But here's the thing. Amazing relationships with others happen after you cultivate an amazing relationship with yourself. And how do you do that? Self-discovery, healing, and accessing your authenticity. Let's dive in. Hey, y'all. So a couple of episodes ago, I was asked... How did I handle the grief of my father loss and what did the process look like for me? I'm going to answer that question today using the five stages of grief and how I responded to each one. So, of course, let's start first things first with the five stages of grief. They are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. I was in the denial phase my entire childhood up until maybe about my first year of college. I had no idea how badly I was affected by my father's absence. I wholeheartedly believed for so long that because he hadn't been there growing up and I had a grandfather and uncles who loved me, that it was just a fact that I would shrug off. Telling people that I didn't know what my father looked like growing up didn't seem weird to me at all. I imagine it was like um, someone pointing to the urn on their um, mantle of their dead relative. Just a small blip in the landscape of my life. It wasn't until much later that I realized that my entire life had been weaved around the fact that my father wasn't there. How I felt about that and what I told myself that meant about me. By the way, if you asked yourself, well, what did it look like for your entire life to be weaved around the details of your father's absence? This entire podcast has been about what that looks like. So you already know the answer to that, okay? So my anger phase... (laughs) That phase both shocked and liberated me. First of all, I didn't even know that I had so much anger towards my dad. I remember that, um, well, remember that I said that, you know, I felt that it was really just like a blip on the landscape of my life, right? The anger showed up hot and heavy when I met him for the first time as a freshman in college. As I write this, I realize that after meeting him and everything erupting to the surface, that that is when the promiscuity started. I called it exercising my newfound freedom as a freshman in college. And, you know, I'm 18 now. I can do all the things. I'm owning my body. I'm owning my power. All that is what I told myself. Really, It was me trying to forget the fact that during my first explosive conversation with my father, when I asked him why he wasn't there, 
He said that he didn't know. He literally had 18 years to examine his actions and figure out why he never showed up. That I don't know took me all the way out. I had imagined and rehearsed this conversation in my mind at least 1,000 times. No cap, okay? And it had never ever included him not knowing why he chose not to stay. So I was angry and my self-worth was completely shattered after that. And so every time a boy would show me any attention, I gave him the only thing of worth that I thought I had that I could control, my body. My grades declined as well. I went from top of my class in high school to a 2.7 GPA, y'all, and I did not care. Y'all are getting all the tea right now. (laughs) Y'all are are really getting all the tea. I learned later that there is a proven connection between a father's absence in the home, or from the home rather, and a child's um, academic success. And that made me feel better because for real, for real, when I think about my college grades, I'm really appalled by them. I'm a little embarrassed. I don't like talking about it, any of none of that, because it's not who I am. But I give myself grace now because I know how difficult a time that I was having. I didn't realize it at the time, but I understand it now. I went straight from anger head first into the bargaining phase. It was a very, very quick transition. I went from how could you not know why you were never there to I must be the reason he was never there. And I stayed in that space for a smooth 17 plus years. Okay, that's a long time for me to think that something about me caused my father not to be there. That's where I developed my skewed relationship standards. That's where I would create the environment where I was always useful in an attempt to convince people to say. That is where I proudly wore my superwoman cape and I did all the things for all the people. That is where I perfected the art of people-pleasing. That's where I accepted what's familiar and not what I deserve. That's where I learned to ignore how I feel and what I needed in favor of catering to whoever I wanted to stay. That's where I learned to reimagine the trash relationships I was in so that I could hold on to them as long as possible. Many of my coping mechanisms that I developed as a child when I was in the denial phase matured into full-blown, skewed relationship standards and practices during this phase. And I'll show you how it connects. So when I was a little girl, I would have these pretend conversations with my dad 
that always ended with him apologizing for leaving me and then him whisking me and my mom away to his house where we lived happily ever after. These conversations happened in my mind. I never had a conversation like this with my dad, okay? I had created so many variations of this story that it did two very distinct things for me. First is that I am an excellent storyteller now. I do not need a children's fairy tale book to entertain children. I just don't. I can come up with a story very quickly, very entertaining for children at a drop of a dime if I need to. The second, and this is what I want you to pay attention to. The second thing it did was it gave me a built-in response to dealing with relationships that I didn't like and that I knew that I should leave. Because I had been abandoned, I never wanted to abandon anyone else. So I always stayed in relationships way past their expiration date. But when I realized that the relationship was not meeting my needs or that this relationship had expired, I would automatically tell myself a new story about the relationship and it instantly upgraded the situation in my mind. It became much more bearable and then I would go right on back to maintaining this environment that I would create where I would do all the things to get them to stay. Meanwhile, I should have been the one that left a long time ago. You see the connection, but you see how messed up that is, right? I believe that I have lived with low-level depression for most of my life up until I came into awareness of what was going on and starting to, to go through my healing journey. So the depression phase for me was running concurrently with the bargaining phase. The entire time I was doing all the things for people to stay, I had also vowed that no one would hurt me as deeply as I realized that my father did. So I unknowingly became emotionally unavailable. And you know, we talk about this often. When I tell my story and I say that that night on my birthday, when I was sitting alone in my dark, cold apartment, and I realized that everyone in my life was emotionally unavailable, just like my dad, what I don't say is that I attracted exactly who I was, like reflects like. I was drawing to myself a mirror image of what I put out into the world. I, of course, didn't know it at the time, and I longed for connection, not realizing that I was the one who was standing in my own way because of this vow that I had made to myself that nobody would ever hurt me. I had closed up my heart. I had decided nobody was going to get near to it. And I was going to only deal and dabble on the surface of emotions of everything that I was dealing with in life. Okay. So what that did was it muted my emotions. And of course, you know, it was in an effort to protect myself and everything, but it made everything in my life sort of gray, you know, kind of meh, you know what I mean? So nothing stood out for me. Occasions, milestones, accomplishments that I should have been proud or joyous or happy about, they elicited maybe a brief thrill before everything went back to meh. 
I live my life in meh, like, you know, just a gray existence for so long that it was normal. And back then I would have even told you that I liked it, that I was having a great time, that this is an amazing life. Okay. Like the denial, but it was depression. The acceptance phase is where the magic happened. That is where the healing happened. After my coming to Jesus moment, I knew things needed to change and I became super radical in my approach to that change. One of the things that I did during that time was that really shifted for me. And I was finally able to see the situation as something that happened to me, but was not because of me, was writing a letter to my father. I told him everything. I purged my soul in that letter. Okay. I looked at myself in the mirror after I wrote the letter and I read it out loud and I cried hard over that letter. It was truly a shedding away of all of the feelings that I had pent up, all of the, the, the thoughts that I had about myself, all of the ways in which I had betrayed myself because of these feelings that I had and all the things. And after that, I tucked it into my drawer and I never looked at it again. Writing the letter was enough. And I had decided that my father had not earned the right to my story or my grief. But writing it was enough. And it was like a weight lifted because I started to see a lot clearer after that. Sometime later, the Lord had given me yet another revelation. And it was that my father could not give me what he didn't have. I remember now that he had said that he didn't have a really great relationship with his father. And because he didn't experience fatherly love in the way that he wanted to, or maybe he even needed to, he couldn't give it to me. And it was at that point that I started to see my father as a man, a flawed man with his own story. Then and only then, could I truly forgive him and accept that the relationship that I had longed for would not happen and I was finally okay with it? The truth is, is that I believe that I've been having funerals for the loss of my father for quite some time. Every time that he would call when I was a child but then never showed up, there was a funeral. After that explosive conversation and during our first meeting, there was a funeral. When we tried to have a relationship over the years and it never worked out, there was a funeral. The funerals stopped being painful and started feeling normal. And as much as I wanted my story to be different, I have accepted that my father will never be to me what I dreamed that he would be. And I've made peace with it. As a matter of fact, you know, I have love for my father. I wish him the best. I hope that he gets everything that he wants. I hope that the family that he has chosen is one that brings him joy and all the things. I really am at peace with where we are. Whew, 
that was that that was that was heavy for me. It was it brought up a lot. Um, writing this was surprisingly um, emotional, and so I'm about to get into some soul care so that I can regulate myself after this one. But to the young lady who asked this question. I pray that my transparency helps you on your journey to healing, that seeing how um, the stages of grief looked like for me will help you to recognize where you are in your journey, what might be going on and how you responded. And I really, really hope that this helps. Y'all, we are two episodes away from the end two episodes. I want you guys to continue sending me your voice notes of your favorite episodes and the aha moments that you have um, to my DMs at Bernadette and Jackson. And I will see you in the next one. But before I go, I want you to remember that you deserve amazing relationships. But the day that you plant that seed is not the day that you're going to see the fruit. So keep doing the work. Bye.